Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Sox fans, guess what? Brett Valentini hosting once again Southside Sox Mothership Podcast. You know, we're going to change the whole naming convention here. It gets a little silly when we're talking about 115 or 78 or whatever. But this is the 30th of the 2022 year season. Uh, so welcome. Thanks. Maybe you've joined us for all 30. <laughs> if so, <laughs> you get a coupon for something. <laughs> all apologies. If so, uh, and, you know, we're going to have, uh, you know, um, I think we referred to uh, internally uh, sort of a rinse and repeat uh, podcast here this evening as we are waiting for the White Sox as they are flying um, probably right now to Anaheim to take on the Angels, um, wh- whoever is left on the Angels, not bruised, scratched and, and beaten from their brawl today. Uh, and then the Giants, it's not it does not get any easier. We keep hearing about the easy schedule. It is not come yet we got at least a week of rougher schedule for the white Sox uh, before things get better and by then hey it may be too late so let's kick it off that way i've got crystal o'keefe and trooper galactus with me on this podcast at least uh to kick it all off and let's just throw it out there uh a, a series win against toronto in the homestand and then <laughs> a very flatulent loss Three out of four loss to the last place, but let's do the caveat in a real tough division while they were still, still came in with a, a, a rather bad record and they should not have taken three or four from the Chicago White Sox, but they did. And boy, it, that, that, it was almost four out of four. Let's put it that way. Um, another week gone, another week off the calendar. How are we feeling about things? Not great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Angels are really struggling, but I don't see them pulling off a single win because I highly doubt Mike Trout or Shohei Otani managed to get into that brawl today nah. because they are smart. smart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> And I mean, I feel like I don't think we're actually going to face Carlos Rodon for that next series, but mm. man, they're going to kick our asses. <laughs> so, you know. And being at two games last week and covering like a million this past week, I don't, I don't feel good. And showing up for the podcast, Crystal. 
there's something psychological here. You got to love yourself more. I've been very busy. Uh, they didn't even win on my birthday. And I was a little pissed about that. Yeah, really, at the very least. I mean, I'm sure like even in some random year, like 2000, you know, 19 or something or 18, they won on your birthday. I mean, it just sort of works out that way, but not this year. Huh? Yeah. Uh, bad. And believe me, second half, we're going to talk a little bit more broadly about fandom. And we are going to speak a little bit specifically to a series that uh, Trooper is putting together for us, including, I believe, volume three, which is running along with this podcast uh, on Monday. Uh, but Trooper, I think I know the answer, but you know, where, where are you at with things? What's changed? <laughs> oh, everything sucks. <laughs> so nothing's changed <laughs> the, the upcoming series so the upcoming series against la it, it feels a lot like the series we had a little while back against texas where you were you had this white Sox team that had been struggling to get to 500 uh struggling to get themselves competitive and they go up against texas another team that's been struggling to get around yeah. that 500 mark and the thing was is you saw in that series two teams playing pretty bad baseball Mm-hmm. except one of them had home field advantage and took two out of the three. And that was Texas. Mm-hmm. And the difference is Texas has a positive run differential. The LA angels have a positive run differential. The white Sox are at negative 51. Yes, they are. This team is not even at 500 and they feel lucky to yeah. even be as close sure. as they are. Like we keep talking about, Oh, people got to get healthy or which is not going to happen uh moves that could be made at the deadline there aren't very many that i can think of uh, i mean maybe we'll be surprised but I, I don't even know if it's worth investing any resources in trying to make a winner out of this because what you've seen is quite frankly a bad brand of baseball that is poorly led poorly managed with the general manager that has failed utterly in his task to improve this team over uh, from one season to the next. And I, I don't know that there's any there. They've kind of dug their grave already for this season, just with the off season they had. I mean, they yeah. added, they added a series of negative value players in the off season where like, it's not even how much money they spent. It's that they use that money to bring in guys who are actively hurting their chances yeah. to. Yeah. And I, I don't know that they can recover from that, especially given how deeply they went in financially this season. Yeah. Uh, and with her unique uh, and serious and stalwart preparation for this podcast, we welcome in also Jackie Crestel. It's good vibes. Uh, Jackie, welcome. You covered today. You're catching uh, roughly, I'd say, on average, a couple games a week. So you're close to this and probably watching very often when not covering for Southside Sox. Uh, The question uh, initially here is just another week off the schedule, uh, pretty much treading water. If that, uh, what are you thinking about this team? How are you feeling about it? Um, You know, (laughs) it it, it ebbs and flows what I feel. But today I just feel kind of like, you know what? It is what it is. If I keep uh, sitting around and hoping for the team that I thought was going to be here this year to show up, I'm just going to end up disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, so for today, I'm, you know, <laughs> we're, we're, we're going to be a third place team. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I'm in the acceptance mode 
yeah. right now, but talk to me tomorrow. I'll be very upset. <laughs> yeah, very late and very upset. Uh, all right, let me break in with some numbers because that's what I like to do. And Joe's not here to fact check me. So uh, I, I ran these numbers yesterday and that was before one more win. So the numbers are actually better. We're talking a lot about how the schedule is going to get easier and how that's going to help the White Sox. Now, granted, the White Sox are still... You can still see first place. They're not getting any closer to it, but you can still see it. Right now, the team is, what the heck gets it, 34 and 37. They are 16 and 23 against winning teams. Teams were, that were winning, had winning records, uh, have winning records right now. 18 and 14 now against losing teams. Not great. Uh, if the White Sox played only against losing teams the rest of the season, applied that winning percentage to every game the rest of the season, which is 91 games, they would finish with 85 wins. That's if they played losing teams every game the rest of the year. And I know this is like stupid stat. This is very broad, dumb numbers, but hey, let's play with them. 85 wins if they played against no winning teams the rest of the year. Well, they have 39 more games against winning teams. So if you break it down based on their record against winning teams and their record against losing teams, which ain't great, the White Sox will end up as a 79 and 83 team this year now granted things can change they can get better they can pick it up but just if we look at it and we keep saying well the schedule is going to get easier things are going to get better guys are going to get healthier but then other ones break uh right now unless something uh, there's a serious uptick uh this is a 79 win team this is how they're playing right now i know run differential would indicate about 10 games worse scary so it actually they have to continue to be lucky the rest of the season which is uh, uh that's a stretch uh, so it's not set up where it's like, you know, the White Sox are going to still just stumble or fall back into 90 wins and a division win because looking up, as Jackie pointed out, in third place, maybe if it was just the it was just Minnesota and Cleveland was way back tanking the season. Maybe you'd say, all right, uh, there's a chance just head to head. There's a little bit easier chance to catch one team leaping ahead of two the way the White Sox are playing are, is going to be a monumental challenge. So the question here to the panel before we get to our break is. How do we see that possibly happening? We know Trooper brought out the fact that the offseason was terrible and these are negative players. We've got Josh Harrison in left field, for God's sake. Uh, we got a variety of first basemen playing everywhere on the diamond, probably including pitching this year. Uh, clearly, things have not gone very well, almost to, to the halfway point, including injuries. What sort of things can you envision clicking for this team that could put them into, let's say, at least that 85 win level where maybe that gets you the division in the central? Probably not. But what can click for this team besides just a, a, a miracle uh, to, to see them play better, to actually get in position and make up what amounts to being half a game a week still? They're not that far back. What can, what can click, not what you hope will click or what you think will click. What can click for this team that's not happening right now to make a difference? I think the only thing that will help them out is if they fire a bunch of coaching staff. <laughs> because, I mean, you have nothing. You You have terrible hitting. You have a terrible manager. You have a terrible third base coach. Honestly, their first base coach should just be gone too because he's a scummy human. Um, you have nothing. Like there's there's nothing good about – maybe Ethan Katz occasionally. Maybe. 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 And that's, that's questionable. It is. How more and more. Lucas has been playing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know the spider tack ban really affected Lucas. That's very clear. Um, but they have nothing working out in their favor. So I think the only – 
way anything will click is if they come back and they start doing some yoga in the outfield to stretch because everyone is getting hurt every single day. I feel like it's someone new and we have absolutely nothing in the farm. So fire everyone. So the shorthand here is Crystal. Crystal's answer. If I can read between the lines here is nothing. Nothing really is going to happen this year for the White Sox to actually, and let's face it, it isn't going to have to be first place. I know we can calculate where we're at in the wild card, which is like 8,000 games back. But I mean, hey, it's still theoretically there's three wild cards, but that's not realistic from the Central. So to win this division, really nothing's going to happen because Lord knows guys are not going to be, nobody's going to be fired. And if, and if so, it's going to come too late or some sort of weird, like uh, some weird resignation, some cloud of mystery. And that's going to be a whole controversy to have to focus on instead of, Instead of the gameplay on the diamond, uh, Jackie Trooper, uh, thoughts on what can happen to actually put the White Sox in first place and get them into the playoffs? So hey. I, I want to res- oh, I oh. just want to respond quickly. Thanks, Trooper, to uh, Crystal's point that the White Sox have one thing that the first place Minnesota Twins do not have, okay. and that is a pitching coach. <laughs> um, so maybe that's the one thing that's yeah. going to help kind of pull us, you know. Um, yeah. So that was I just like, you know, we, we have everything. Well, we got one thing. We got one thing up on them. So we'll see what Ethan Katz can do. But outside of that, um, things that they can do, I agree with Crystal. I mean, fire somebody. Somebody's got to get fired, right? You can't just not fire anybody with a team that's um, underwhelming. And that's, and that's not a crazy notion. You know, Jackie, we, we talk about how bad the offense is, but I don't, I don't see what the ceiling is. I don't see a lot of, a lot of ceiling for this offense, just in terms of the health. These guys are never going to be healthy together. I mean, obviously they can do better and that's going to help wins. But the, I think the big gain is perhaps in pitching, you know, Lynn hasn't even been here and, and when he's pitched hasn't been great. Although uh, that trend is maybe turning. That's a big plus if he can be Lance Lynn for the second half or for the second two thirds of the season. Giolito. Yeah, okay, spider tag, whatever. We got the Giolito Whisperer on staff. You'd have to think there's some hope there that something something can happen. Somehow managing uh, Kopech's health and keeping him steady, somehow balancing him, pitching like once a week. Cease, <laughs> we see today, uh, pretty sweet. I mean, they're, you know, you could say some of these guys are already close to their max, but there's growth in pitching and what we just saw last year where, yeah, there's not a lot to make up. So it's, it's, it's a pretty valid point, Jackie. Uh, Trooper, any hope, any oxygen in the room for you? Um, I'll just say that I think that the only thing that's going to pull this team out that, that is reasonable for anybody to hope for is good hitters hit good. Um, when you look at the pitching staff, we have four viable starters and one guy who has been an ace in the past who is struggling. So you, you look at Dylan Cease, you look at Michael Kopik, you look at Johnny Cueto, you feel pretty confident about those guys when they take the mound, don't you? And then you look at Lance Lynn. He's been hung out to dry by their manager, but he's pitched well uh, up until he completely runs out of gas because he's hung out to dry. So the starting pitching is good. The bullpen has been mismanaged, but there's still talent in the bullpen that I think that most of us feel good about holding a lead or at least enough arms in there to hold a lead should we need it. So the problem then becomes, we have a series of excellent hitters in this lineup or that are coming back into this lineup who have not hit at all. Yasmani Grandal has been terrible and maybe he's been playing hurt. I don't know. I don't know if he'll be able to get healthy this year, but 
you can't have a 531 OPS out of Yasmani Grandal. Luis Robert, we expected to be in contention for an MVP. He has been good this year. He has not been a star player. He currently has a 758 OPS. That's good. That is not great. That is not the guy you want in the top three of your lineup. Uh, Jose Abreu has been good. Again, not great. There's nobody really carrying this lineup. Um, and until guys like Sheets, Grandal, uh, Pollock, another guy who's been a good hitter in the past who's not hitting, like these are the guys that we need to have step up. Yoan Mankata, if he's able to get healthy, God knows when that's going to happen, has been a good hitter. He's not, he has not been, even when people were thought he was terrible because he struck out like 210 times in a season. He's never been this bad. And some of these guys just getting up to being average hitters in the second half will be a huge difference. Because you know what? We're not going to get another top starting pitcher. I don't think there's any on the market that we're going to be able to afford in a trade, uh, in a competitive market. Uh, There is, as much as we might hope for a change to uh, the dugout coaching staff, that's not happening for reasons that exist only in Jerry Reinsdorf's head. So the only thing we can hope for is the hitters that are, that are on this club that are were intended to carry it have to come back and they have to start carrying it. They have to they have to pull their load. That's the only way they're getting out of this. Interesting to see if they can. Uh, boy, uh, there's not been a lot to to gather confidence for based on what is almost uh, the first half of this season. Let's take a quick break. We're going to speak a little more broadly about the Chicago White Sox in a fun segment we like to call the rinse and repeat state of White Sox fandom. Uh, We'll be back to address that for the brief second half of our show here in just a minute. Stick with us. White Sox fans, it is the unnamed number podcast. We're changing our naming convention. It's the 30th of 2022. Welcome. My name is Brett Palantini. I'm very lucky to be hosting this podcast with you, along with three of my very closest friends, Trooper Galactus from Parts Unknown, Indianapolis Field Office, Stalwart, and a worker of 22% of all of our White Sox coverage so far this year. Oh, yes. Send the condolence cards and care of me at Southside Sox. I will pass them on to Crystal O'Keefe in the field office. And from, again, parts also parts unknown, Jackie Crystal is joining us, and we are very lucky to have her getting some insights about the White Sox because she's been doing a ton of coverage for us as well this year. Let's broaden this out, team. Uh, we continue to get some interesting feedback from the White Sox themselves. And it just seems, you know, I, I suppose maybe it's a tedious topic, but it, it's just, it's astounding to me that the White Sox are so bad. The treatment of their fans is unique. There's probably worse out there, but the White Sox consistently manage uh, to underserve in various ways fans. And, you know, the way that we see it most often now comes via uh, Twitter and Steve Stone and his fan scolding, but we've got in the past with Rick Hahn. I mean, God bless Rick Hahn for stepping out and deciding to call out fans and say that we're rooting for the White Sox to fail before they even got any success going. Uh, I imagine his sentiments are similar now. He's just smart enough not to be on um, Twitter or on radio shows um, spouting it. But uh, I guess just a a broad topic. It's not one that we haven't addressed in the past. It seems like we're almost doing it on a weekly basis. But um, 
what's the feeling being a White Sox fan and, and, and sort of feeling like this is like some kind of like a war of attrition. You got to like fight through a lot of extra stuff. It's been a tough enough season. We all want this team to do well. And we were conned last year because it was a 93 win season. It ended up pretty poorly and, and, and sort of flat, flat tire. But man, that, that was better than I thought it was going to be. And I thought, man, we are really good. This is very unique as a White Sox fan. This is quite a treat. Uh, and boy, that rubber band has really snapped this year and has bounced back and really bit us in the ass so far for almost half a season. Um, how, just how are you feeling about being a White Sox fan? You know what? I am just enjoying the ride. Uh, I appreciate that Jackie gave everyone enjoy the ride tattoos recently at a game because that's all you can do. I mean, I talked about it in that one article. I also like scored went scorched earth. Yes, Jackie's just got the tattoo. I also went scorched earth on them yesterday during my stats. Like it's annoying and embarrassing and there's nothing we as fans can do because we are dumb and we just keep going back and watching them. I'm giving them my money. Like who does that? Uh but yeah, you just, you gotta sit back and enjoy it and block Steve Stone on Twitter. <laughs> Blocks you. Uh, yeah, uh, Trooper Jackie, where where are you feeling? What's what's the temperature? Yeah, uh, Steve Stone can uh, ride a cactus off of Eat Shit Cliff into Go Fuck Yourself Gorge because I've pretty much had it with the White Sox. I I, I keep saying it, White Sox, especially Rick Hahn bad at messaging and now it's just yeah. seems like uh, instead of Rick Hahn being the messenger they're just using Steve Stone to be the messenger to tell anybody who's dissatisfied with their shitty product that they can they can just uh you know go off and do something else and all the true fans can stick around well guess what none of the true fans are sticking around take yesterday <laughs> yesterday was a game I had marked on my calendar I had to work but I had marked on my calendar as a day I was going to take off to go to the White Sox game because I wanted that awesome uh, Aloy and Chantera uh, sure. bobblehead. That thing was cool. It was great. Mm-hmm. It was really clever. It was fun. Mm-hmm. And I'm th- I, at the beginning of the season, I was thinking this is going to be a fun season. And that's going to be a fun game to go to. It's a Saturday mm-hmm. game. It's going to be in the summer. Mm-hmm. And guess what? The weather was bright. They had mm-hmm. a great giveaway. And what happened? Not even 30,000 fans showed up to that game. The weather was perfect. They had a giveaway of an excellent yep. little little nugget, mm-hmm. and not even 30,000 people showed up. And you know why not even 30,000 people showed up? Because nobody wants to watch this horse shit. <laughs> yep. and, it, and if they think that the White Sox seem to think that's the fans' fault, yeah. it's, they need to look in the fucking mirror. Yep. It's their own goddamn fault. Nobody wants to watch them. Because you know what? Nobody wants to watch a team lose three of four to the fucking Orioles at home. This team is right now, and this is another one of those things where people just create this false hope in their mind where they say, well, yeah, they're not playing well at home, but they're they're above yeah. five on the road. So, hey, once they once they start picking things up at home, it'll be all good. Okay, guess what? Look at the two teams ahead of them in the state. Both of them have above 500 records away from home. You know what else they have? Above 500 records at their home mm-hmm. parks. This, <laughs> there's not really a whole lot to root for there. Yeah. It is miserable watching White Sox baseball. And who wants to spend money on that? Yeah. They're riding a little bit off of just, I'm sure they sold a lot of tickets for summer games before the season started. Yeah. When 
fan optimism was at, at its high, even after their garbage offseason that they had, fan optimism was high. They've, they've killed all of that. Yeah. We, we are slowly watching the, the attendances go down week to week. The, the weather's nice. They don't have that excuse anymore. And people are going to start staying away more and more. And this is going to start looking like, you know, when we get to August, September, if they're still playing like this, it's going to look like 2011 again. I had a season ticket package in 2011, and I literally could not give away the tickets to the September games because nobody wanted to watch. Trooper, you were all in. You were all in. Nice. <laughs> oh, all in. Ah, season close to my heart. Um, yeah, here's the funny thing. You know, the messaging then, yeah, I think we mentioned internally, uh, Ken Williams and his fan shaming, you know, in the past, going back probably to the turn of the century, honestly, uh, but certainly uh, close to those all in uh, the all in era. Uh, that almost seemed to be uh, still somewhat of anomaly. Now it seems to be baked into the mix, beating up the fans. And yes, right now it's Steve Stone, like as he's the hitman. But now this is like it, this is this is uh, it's not a bug. This is this is a function of their messaging. How in the world can you do that, especially particularly when you don't have a winning product on on the field? Uh, Jackie, your temperature. Uh, you know, Brett, the world is on fire. Yes. So I um, fair. <laughs> if Steve Stone wants to be a dick on Twitter, he can be a dick on Twitter. Um. I hope he doesn't hear this because I think I'm the only one on this podcast that is not blocked. Don't block me, Steve. I want to see your bullshit. Oh, it's coming. Um, <laughs> don't tag me in that, Brett. Don't, don't you wish that evil on me? No, I will not. I think evil. All right. Um, yeah, the world's on fire. It, Steve Stone can be a dig. It, it is the smugness gets to me. You know, you're a third place team who doesn't think your shit stinks. It does. It does. Um, I. Do they think we're stupid or just like, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, there, over it. I'm over it. There is a, yeah, there is a level of disrespect. And of course, yeah, it goes without saying these, these are, <laughs> these are, this whole podcast is relative to everything going on in the context on this, of this planet. So yes, let's make sure it, we could, we could issue that caveat at the top of every show for sure. Uh, given that I, my tenure here has been during a climate in this country that boy, I never thought I would live to see. And it's not getting better. But anyhow, that's an entirely different podcast. We are still addressing the White Sox. And yeah, it's just strange that this is this seems to be like a function. Now, I mean, Han almost seemed to be like spoiling for a fight there at, at Reggie's a couple of years ago. And then I guess cooler heads prevailed or or he actually answered the phone when Brooks, when Brooks Boyer called him and said, Oh, okay, I shouldn't do that. Because boy, I tell you, Steve Stone is not, you know, that's where um, the old man technology thing happens where it's like, Oh, I don't know how to answer my phone. Uh, I didn't get that email because boy, he just does not um, stop. And I, and I was stupid, you know, we're talking about again, an announcer, but at the same time, he's a great analyst. He's a guy who came respected. He came over from the Crosstown rival. Uh, it was like a thing to sort of be psyched about. It got Lord knows if Len Casper started doing that, we'd be just as ticked. I mean, granted, he's a little less old manish and he didn't play, you know, Steve Stone's got that. Hey, I was in the locker room. I know what's going through those guys' heads. It's just my goodness. Uh, okay. Steve, I never played in the major leagues. I think I can still talk about what I see and what's going on. I followed the game for a long time. I watched you. Brett, remember the last time that Steve openly challenged a veteran manager Uh, on a team that was underperforming expectations. He got fired. Uh, As I, I, as I recall, Kent Merker uh, called, called him in the, in the booth to 
give him a few choice words. So yes, and to- maybe, maybe that's the lesson that he took from it. I don't know. <laughs> sure, and, and and Tony Larusa and and Jim Leland uh, came after uh, Jimmy Pearsall uh, because of the criticism when Tony Larusa was uh, eighteen years old as a manager of the White Sox. So yeah, sure, but you know, there's also a difference between like t- burying your teeth on the team that you're uh, analyzing and whatever he's doing now, it would be nice to see some, something in the middle there would, would probably make us as fans feel just, just a little bit better about the whole viewing and, um, and engaging experience. Um, other thoughts? They're acting, on... they're acting pretty tough. Sure. I was just going to say they're acting pretty tough for a team that's canceled socks last two days. Two years <laughs> no, and I'm just joking. I'm just, I know pandemic and I, that's fine. I was just making a joke. Yeah, but, but but still valid point. There there could have been some outreach. I mean, they did that cool stuff in spring training. They did those um I don't know if they were Zoom things or YouTube things or something where they're you know they're doing stuff like we're doing right now, uh, talking with players. I mean, there could still could be some outreach. It would be limited contact. They'd be able to uh, 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 you know decide which questions they want to ask rather than have somebody walk up to the microphone and lay into Rick Hahn, maybe maybe name Trooper Galactus or maybe not. Uh, you know. So sure, safe, but it could be something that you're doing rather than just, you know, can't, you know, like, like we don't even care. Again, the idea that there's nothing to generate excitement, you know, Trooper brought out a lot about how the team performance is affecting how, what our response is, but certainly that's part of it. We can silo that and even disappointing if we're not being insulted on top of it, uh, there might be a little bit different vibe, or at least we'd be complaining about different things. We'd just be focusing on Yasmani Grandal instead of, all this other bizarre messaging and then the stuff you get from Tony La Russa himself. It's just, it's just sort of crazy. It really is off the rails and it's not something even under a Tony La Russa team. I necessarily anticipate. And you certainly wouldn't think that Steve stone would be like on the train there. He like has his moments, even, even in the analyst chair where he's willing to criticize. Uh, but boy, when it comes to messaging fans, he just doesn't care. It's very strange. I'm going to personally buy troopers tickets this the next Sox Fest, so that I can see him do all that on purpose. <laughs> okay, yeah, I was at a Sox Fest 2017. I was literally the person uh, who asked Han about when they completed the rebuild if they were going to spend money because, you know, this team was one of the few in the league that still has not given out a nine-figure contract, and he stopped me dead cold while I was asking and said, the answer is yes. There's no magic. He said, this is where these lines came from that have been oft quoted. Yes. They literally came from a question I asked at 2017 Sox Fest. So the line about the money will be spent. There's no magical upper limit. Those were things he directly <laughs> told me in front of a crowd at Sox Fest. And people <laughs> applauded. They were all like, yay, things have finally changed. What? Here we are, five years later. We still haven't given out a nine-figure I was contract. just going to say, Trooper, do we, we have that nine-figure yet? <laughs> and, and five it, years it, later. Yeah, and all of the stuff that he said, that they were going to be players, that there's no magic. It's like, oh, there's no magical upper limit. And then what happens? They give a low-ball offer to Manny Machado. Somebody else, else gives him exactly what he's been asking for. And what does Kenny Williams say? Well, we couldn't go to that $300 million level. Oh, so what you're saying is there was a magical upper mm. limit. Oh, well, gosh. Well, remember, Ken Williams also insisted that their offer was the best offer through some weird new math you know that what? I never these, learned. These assholes complain about, oh, oh, well, if we had our druthers. You know what? Real fucking teams go out and get their druthers, okay? <laughs> yeah. Uh, they, must, they believe in ghosts. <laughs> they believe in the supernatural or, or something. 
uh, something is controlling them. Somebody is controlling them from uh, by remote, I guess. Um, Crystal, you're probably only covering six or seven of the games in this upcoming week. Um, yeah. Um, feeling um, feeling all right about it. I mean, again, is it really just is it really just an enjoy the ride for you at this point, as much <laughs> as you can? Well, I mean, Jack, you made a good point earlier. The world is on fire, and they're. There are much bigger things that I can stress out about than this team. They can't, they can't hurt me anymore. Um, but I do, I want to end this on a positive note because I want to talk about all the things that Liam Hendricks is doing for the girls and the gays and mm-hmm. all that out there right now. You know, he's the leader of pride. He took the first pitch on pride night when I was there, which, you know, he gave out, like they made these really cool flags. Mm-hmm. Yes. South Florida society. We, we, like, str- we saw the power hour uh, flashing them in a photo. Yeah, so awesome. Uh, there was like, he's doing everything he can for, you know, that community. And then he was like one of the, I think now four athletes that have came out and said, you know, the Supreme court is full of a bunch of idiots and like, you know, people should have the right to choose what they do over their body. And he just kind of ripped them a new one on, you know, 670. Yeah. So good for him because he's the kind of person that baseball needs more of just outspoken, smart, doing the right thing versus that one Cubs person that just got DFA today, like deleting his Twitter account because people were calling him out over like abortion rights and his backwards philosophies. So, you know, I just, I want to, share my love of Liam Hendricks because he's a good dude and we need that while this world is burning and rights are being stripped from us and and that's that's everybody that's not just women that's Mm -hmm. anybody capable of carrying a baby anybody that's trying to get IVF like it's all going to be a million times harder now so good for him for speaking out on these issues that affect people that aren't just cis white dudes yeah and on, on that note you know you know friday was a hard day we decided to go a little different direction with some of our pregame coverage and i appreciate the readership listenership maybe even viewership uh, uh mostly embracing that um a couple dissenters but uh, overall I, I was pleased uh, knowing going in a little a little nervous uh knowing that um you know that's not what people come to the Southside Sox for. But on the other hand, I don't care. And when the world is burning and when it is burning in front of our eyes, we are going to acknowledge that. And you're just going to have to withstand that. And that's going to happen as bad turns come because there are probably going to be a couple more before things really, really turn around or we all move to other countries. Anyhow, on that note, thank you, Jackie Kressel. You brought some good vibes. Thanks for hopping on. Trooper Galactus, as always, from Parts Unknown, appreciate your insight. And uh, the uh, three, four, five part series continues uh, here on Monday. And Crystal Keith, appreciate that final note. Uh, good way to end. 